Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a board-certified OBGYN and fertility physician and also co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. With the goal of educating and empowering women, each week on this podcast, I discuss health and fertility and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, friends, and welcome back to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and today I want to talk all about irregular periods. This is one of the things I probably talk about most as a fertility doctor, and it always strikes me with this realization that a lot of people really don't understand what is normal and what is abnormal or what needs an evaluation or what you can do to try to help your own period. Remember that we consider your period or your menstrual cycle one of your vital signs. It's telling us how your body is functioning and how your hormones are working. And so when it's not coming at a regular predictable interval, something's going on and we want to try to figure out why. But before we dive into that, I want to talk about this week's fertility in the news. And this one's going to get me all kinds of riled up. So published in Bloomberg was this article says LGBTQ hospital workers denied fertility coverage in a test of the U.S. discrimination law. This was published on July 18th. Okay, so let me just give you the background to understand this a little bit better. This is coming from a Catholic-based hospital. So a hospital, not just a random employee, but someone in healthcare. So a Catholic-based hospital in Illinois, they hire tons of people, over 24,000 workers, and they have now said they will only cover fertility treatment for those who work for them who are in an opposite-sex marriage. Opposite sex. Okay, let's hear why this is so controversial on many levels. Number one, Illinois is a mandated state. So many, many states do not have any fertility coverage. That's just a sad fact. And I could go on a tangent about that because infertility is defined as a disease by the World Health Organization. And so what type of disease does an insurance company get to say, we're not going to cover that or a state gets to say that? So ASRM and other advocacy organizations have really given a big push to try to make this so that more states can get coverage. And Illinois is actually a wonderful state that has fertility coverage. Each patient in the state of Illinois, is covered for up to four egg retrievals. So lifetime maximum, you can get up to six because you actually get extra ones if you have a pregnancy because they want you to have your whole family. And so the scope of this is that any health policy offered to a company with more than 25 employees has to provide these benefits. 
But when they passed this law, they put a little clause in it that says they do not require religious employers to cover infertility treatment. So it would be one thing to me if the Catholic hospital wanted to say, we don't believe in IVF, so we're not going to cover it for anybody. But that's not what they're doing. What they're actually saying is that they are limited benefits to opposite sex spouses. So they're narrowing the definition to include the fact that you have to be opposite sex. And it also says you have to be married. So they are being extremely discriminatory in my mind. And now this is not the first case that we see this happen. We actually see people who maybe have an insurance plan that has great fertility benefits. And then their insurance company, Edna used to be a really good one, would say, hey, in order to access these fertility benefits that you pay a premium to have your health insurance on, you must have had sex for 12 months or you must have been trying to conceive for 12 months. And so they won't pay for somebody who is in a same-sex relationship or even single until they failed fertility treatments for 12 consecutive times, counting as trying for 12 months. I mean, that's insane. So this hospital system is OSF Healthcare. They operate 15 hospitals in Illinois and Michigan. And this is highly discriminatory. This is truly reflecting one of the first instances where an employer is explicitly denying treatment due to sexual orientation. And if you work for them, I think it's even worse that they're in healthcare. But if you work for them, I think you need to speak up. And I think we need to make sure that we try to stop this trend where we're seeing where somebody can impose their own religious beliefs on other people, utilizing the law to make others have less personal rights. And we're seeing this across so many different things when it comes to reproductive rights, same-sex marriage, access to fertility treatments, access to contraception and abortion care. So this issue is only going to get further into the spotlight. All right, friends, well, let's talk about irregular periods. Before we go right through this, I do want to give you one quick reminder that I am launching my first ever fertility course. It's called Enhancing Your Natural Fertility I have worked on this for years. It's been a passion project of mine to try to get information to you in a really progressive and easy to learn fashion. This is all about your body, how you can optimize your fertility with lifestyle choices, and understanding some of the basics about infertility and fertility treatments. This is what I wish every single person knew when they were trying to conceive or if they wanted to have kids one day before they would walk into my office. So I'm so excited. The material is launching on August 8th. And if you purchase the course before then, you will get the lowest ever cost. The course will still be available afterwards, but it will be a little bit more expensive. So if this is something you're interested in, please head to my website, nataliecrawfordmd.com, and you can click on the button for fertility course and learn more. August 8th, y'all, that's like the day after this episode airs. Okay, let's talk about your period. So I love understanding the period. And for most of my life, I did not. And it wasn't even really until I was a fertility doctor that I truly understood how complex the system is and how your hormones are connected. So really quickly, I think if we're going to talk about what's abnormal, we have to root in the basic of what is normal. Your brain and your ovaries are connected, and that's what controls what happens inside your uterus. Your brain is really the control center. I don't think that surprises any of us. 
However, your brain also interprets signals from your entire body. And so when your brain thinks things are not a good moment to get pregnant, it's going to start to send out signals to try to make it harder for you to do so. And I think that's a really important concept for us when we start thinking about our period. So if we try to think about our period in a really simple way, I like to think about every month the ovary sends out an entire group of eggs that could ovulate. Really, you're only going to have one ovulate and the rest of the eggs will die, but they all start out very small and each egg grows inside a small fluid-filled structure in the ovary called a follicle. The brain is going to send out follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, and that hormone comes from the pituitary gland. Really, it's controlled by a hormone called GnRH, which comes from the hypothalamus. So the brain has a two-system area where hormone control comes from. And so think about it where the central control, the hypothalamus interprets what's happening in your world, and it's going to send out pulses that the pituitary can then say, all right, things are good. Let's get pregnant this month and send out FSH. FSH is sent out in just a perfect amount to try to get one of those follicles or one of those eggs to grow. Now, as that egg is growing, it starts to mature and make estrogen. That estrogen is going to do a couple important things. One is that it starts to grow the lining of the uterus. That's the endometrium, and that's the tissue that you bleed off each month. That estrogen is also going to feed back to the brain, tell the hypothalamus, hey, I'm growing a follicle so you can send out less FSH because we don't need multiple eggs this month. Cool. And then what that estrogen is going to do is when it gets to a very high level, it's actually quite specific at 200 picograms for 50 hours. That's the level where the hypothalamus is going to say, hey, everybody, we have a mature egg. It is go time. And then it's going to switch how it sends out GnRH and tell the pituitary gland time for an LH surge. LH is one of the other hormones the pituitary gland sends out important in reproduction, and it's called luteinizing hormone. What LH does is the first time that we see it in your cycle, it comes as a huge pulse or a huge surge. This is the trigger for your body to then ovulate. So a really high LH surge tells the ovary Time to rupture that cyst, the follicles, a cyst, a fluid-filled structure. Time to rupture that cyst. Let that egg be released and captured by the fallopian tube. And now you're going to have the chance to be pregnant this month. Well, that's not where it ends. What happens is that follicle then forms back together and LH continues to pulse up and down throughout the entire luteal phase. And what it's doing is it's stimulating that corpus luteum to make progesterone. This progesterone changes the lining of the uterus, so it stabilizes it and allows it to start to have receptors for implantation. So now if egg and sperm do meet and that embryo arrives in the uterus about a week later, the lining has seen progesterone for about a week and it's ready to allow that pregnancy to grow in. Well, if you get pregnant, the pregnancy makes some HCG, which is a hormone that you test on pregnancy tests, and that HCG tells that corpus luteum, keep making progesterone, keep making progesterone. We know that progesterone is essential for pregnancy, and the corpus luteum is the source until your placenta is formed around nine weeks pregnant. But if you're not pregnant, because most of your cycles of your life you won't be, there is no embryo, there's no implantation, there's no HCG, 
And so what then happens is the corpus luteum has an expiration date. It can only live around 14 days or about two weeks. After that, if it's not rescued by a pregnancy, it dies. It no longer can function. Your progesterone level then drops. And that's the signal to your body, hey, we don't have a pregnancy this month. Let's do this again. That drop in progesterone tells the uterus to bleed. So now that lining that it grew from estrogen, that lining that it stabilized from progesterone, now that's all going to bleed off. And that's actually your period. While that is happening, your ovary is healing up and the next group of eggs is coming out. And the brain is going to start sending out FSH again, trying to get the process to repeat itself. So this is actually a very well-coordinated system that works together and is reliant on many hormone signals to get your body ready every month for a potential pregnancy. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? but women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin to assess its efficacy and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43%, and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. All right, so let's dig into some of the things that can cause irregular periods. So officially, if we do a medical diagnosis minute, amenorrhea is absence of periods. That's defined as having no period for six months or more. Irregular periods are periods that occur at irregular intervals, which usually is either more than 35 days, so they're just really long apart, or they're unpredictable each month. So you might have one month that's 28 And the next month, that is 37, that's irregular. I also like to tell people, truly your period 
should be within a couple days of itself every single month. And if it's more than that, something may be going on even if it's subtle. Now, everybody's entitled to one wonky month. So one weird month is not the end of the world or rush to the doctor. But if you see irregularity in pattern or you can't have a predictable pattern, then it's a sign something may be off and I want you to seek an evaluation. All right, so any huge stressor to the body can tell the brain that it is a really bad time to get pregnant and it can stress things out. So when we think about stressor, we often think about, oh, I'm so stressed living my life, but I really want you to think about it like a physiologic stressor, a stress to your body where your brain becomes uncertain that it could support a pregnancy. This can be chronic illness, extreme emotional stress. This can be exercising a lot, competitive athletes. This could be eating restriction, calorie restriction. So an eating disorder, or you're really trying to watch what you're eating and you're not having a good energy supply. Those can be some of the top causes of something we call functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, FHA. Really, this doesn't fit into the irregular period category, but I find that as people are entering or exiting from FHA, they may have irregular periods because the system has to turn on and turn off. So I think it's important to realize those processes, the brain doesn't know what's going on. So if you're chronically stressed and you're not sleeping and your body's high and your cortisol's high on the time, your body might think, hey, are we living in a famine? Is there a war going on? What's happening that we should not get pregnant right now? And that hypothalamus may stop sending out GnRH. Therefore, the pituitary gland does not send out FSH. Therefore, you don't ovulate. No egg grows. If no egg grows in this circumstance, there's no estrogen. There's no lining that develops. There's no progesterone. There's no period. Nothing happens. FHA can be so bad on so many levels because you're really hypoestrogenic. And the body should not be that way, meaning your body needs estrogen for your bones, your heart, your brain. And if you're lacking that, you're going to start to feel certain symptoms. So you're going to have vaginal dryness, discomfort with sex, lack of energy, difficult time sleeping, difficulty concentrating. And in addition, you're going to have medical complications that will come from this, like osteoporosis. Well, we don't want any of that. And so if you are not having a period and potentially fall into this category, you need to go see a doctor and you're going to need to be replaced with estrogen until your body heals itself, which can take years of recovery from the insult. So I will see patients who maybe had an eating disorder, they're in recovery, and they're still really frustrated that their period's not back. And the easiest way I say this is it's going to take your body a long time to believe that that insult is over before the brain and ovary system kicks back on. So you just have to wait it out. But replacing with estrogen is an important component. You can still get pregnant if you're not fully in the recovery phase yet, but it's not going to be naturally. You're going to have to undergo fertility treatments where we give you FSH in order to get eggs to grow. And then you can ovulate or we can do fertility treatments, but you will need help. Another hormone from the brain is called prolactin. Prolactin is made from the pituitary gland. It's the hormone that controls lactation. But you can have prolactin increase in secretion from a variety of reasons. It can be a side effect for medications. You can actually have a small little growth of cells in the pituitary gland called a prolactinoma. Those are the prolactin-making cells that make more prolactin. You can also have high prolactin for just a reason we don't know. 
Prolactin, some of the signs can include irregular to absent periods, and then you can also get sometimes headaches, vision changes, or something called galactorrhea, and that's a white milky discharge from your breasts. So if you have that, please go see a doctor right away because that's not a normal thing unless you're breastfeeding. Prolactin is so interesting. So as you raise from the normal levels, something very distinct happens. So a mild abnormality gives you a luteal phase defect, meaning that corpus luteum won't last the full two weeks and you'll get your periods closer together. As you get a moderately high level of prolactin, you then are going to be skipping periods or longer or irregular intervals between them. So now your periods are spacing out. And then when you get to a very high level, you have amenorrhea altogether. And so prolactin abnormalities are a good example about how ovulation is on a spectrum. So you have normal, you have luteal phase defect, irregular or missing periods, and then you have no periods altogether. And so that's just so fascinating. And interestingly, easy to treat with a medication that blocks prolactin production, and then your levels will go back to normal and you'll get a period again. We put patients on that medication, restore their normal periods, and then when you get pregnant, you come off of it because prolactin is part of the normal pregnancy. Another brain hormone is TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone. Now, thyroid is super fascinating. I have a whole prior episode on it. So if you fall into the thyroid category, I really encourage you to go listen to that. Or I have a two-part YouTube video series, like two videos, because there's so much to dive into the thyroid gland. So in the thyroid gland, what actually the thyroid gland does is it's a little butterfly-shaped gland in your neck, and it makes thyroid hormone, aptly named thyroid hormone, or T3 and T4. But it is stimulated from TSH, which it comes from the pituitary, and the pituitary is stimulated by something called TRH, which comes from, you know well, the hypothalamus. And in this circumstance, TSH tells the thyroid, hey, we need more or less thyroid hormone made based on the brain's interpretation. So it's a little opposite of what you think, meaning hypothyroid is the state of having low, hypo means low, low thyroid hormones in your blood. When your brain senses your thyroid hormone is low, that's hypothyroid. What its response is going to be is to try to get more thyroid hormone made. So it's going to send out more TSH to try to stimulate that thyroid gland. So in hypothyroidism, you have high levels of TSH and low levels of actual thyroid hormone. Your symptoms can be weight gain. You can have dry skin, dry hair. Your hair can be falling out. You can feel fatigued, mentally foggy, joint pain. On the opposite end of the spectrum is hyperthyroidism, and this is just the opposite. So your blood has a lot of thyroid hormone. The thyroid gland is being overactive. The brain then says, whoa, we have so much thyroid hormone, we don't need any more. And so it sends out less TSH because it does not want to stimulate the thyroid gland. So in hyperthyroidism, hyper means high, you have high levels of thyroid hormone in your blood, and low levels of TSH. Your hyperthyroidism symptoms are heart racing. You can often have anxiety, insomnia, sweating, feeling hot. You can still have hair loss. And in both of these, you can have menstrual abnormalities. And that's because the regulation of that pituitary level is tightly connected. That's where FSH and LH come from. So if we're classic Hyperthyroid patients might have more frequent periods closer together or heavier, 
and your hypothyroid patients may have more irregular or spaced out periods. Both of these can be associated with infertility and pregnancy loss because the thyroid is so important. And so it's definitely something you want to know if this is what's causing your irregular periods. Hyperthyroidism is more difficult to treat for that one. There are some medication options, but also sometimes you have to destroy the thyroid gland. Your endocrinologist will tell you all of your options. Lovely. And with hypothyroidism, it's relatively easy to treat with just supplementation. So these are something that should absolutely be checked if your periods are abnormal. And just FYI, TSH should be less than 2.5 if you have irregular periods, trying to get pregnant, or you are pregnant. So the endocrine society has set certain levels. So even though the normal range is a little bit wider than that, there is a set narrowing of that range if you're having infertility or any symptoms like irregular periods or wanting to be pregnant. So really make sure you're asking your doctor about that specifically. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan, it's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code AAW at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Another thing that can cause irregular periods, if we flip to the other end of the spectrum, can be running out of eggs. So what happens when you start to run out of eggs is that the ovary doesn't have as many eggs available in a given month. The brain signal of FSH then stimulates things to grow a little bit of a faster way. So that egg often grows a little bit faster. You ovulate earlier in the cycle, and then you will have sometimes not as strong of a corpus luteum, and you may have a shorter luteal phase as well. You also can start to get irregular periods as you really get deep down low into that egg count. And so what happens here is that I just think of it as a disconnect between the brain and the ovary. And so if you come in with irregular periods, the really basic workup from a blood standpoint is going to be FSH, LH, estrogen, TSH, which is your thyroid hormone, and prolactin, those five hormones. And those are going to put you into some categories. So right away, I'll know if it's your thyroid or your prolactin based on those hormones. If your FSH, LH, and estrogen are all low, then you're falling into the FHA category, the functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. Your body's so stressed from whatever reason, it's not allowing your brain to be turned on. If your FSH is very high and your estrogen is low, well, then you're in ovarian failure. You're in the running out of eggs category. 
And the middle ground that happens before then is when your FSH is moderately high, but your estrogen is high also. So the interpretation of these values together is helping us understand, are you potentially running out of eggs? We usually quantify this even more by an ultrasound with an egg count as a part of the evaluation and a blood test for AMH, which you can learn all about in the fertility testing episode, but it's a marker of how many eggs you have remaining. And then you have the normal value where your thyroid and prolactin are fine and your FSH and LH are fine and your estrogen is fine. And what happens into that category is we typically call this chronic anovulation. So there's a few different things that fall here. One is PCOS. Now with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, very complex disease that is 100% a gynecologic disease. This is a disconnect between the brain and the ovaries. It's an endocrine disorder. It is further complicated by insulin resistance and some other metabolic parameters. But I like to think about PCOS in simplistic terms, understanding it's more complex than this. But the root of the problem is you have a lot of eggs in your vault that are not responding to normal brain signals. So if you have an increased number of eggs inside the vault, the brain sends out FSH, and it's not a strong enough signal to get any one of these eggs to grow. It may be some months that it is because you have a lower egg number, or maybe the signal's a little bit higher, but very often it's not a strong enough signal. The eggs then all make a tiny bit of estrogen because they're kind of stimulated, but not quite enough. And then what happens is the pathway for LH to make testosterone becomes very favored. So you can get high testosterone symptoms. You can get hair growth, hair loss, acne. You can also get that increased insulin resistance, central weight gain, so weight around your midsection, and you're more sensitive to different foods and to different stressors. So PCOS is very interesting. Very often, though, in PCOS, your blood values for FSH, LH, and estrogen could be totally normal. Sometimes you have an increased LH to FSH ratio, meaning that LH is so much higher than FSH. And sometimes you find normal levels of FSH, but a higher estrogen than you would expect for someone in that part of the cycle. I tell everybody with PCOS, it's like a spectrum, just like we talked about with prolactin. Some people may have frequent periods, some are irregular, some are totally absent, just depending on your disease. There's likely a huge component of PCOS that can be lifestyle modified, meaning if you can decrease external stressors, you may be able to help reverse part of that problem. But certainly, like every disease, there's some level of it that can't be done. So I have some patients who follow every lifestyle rule that there is, and they still have irregular periods, and they're going to need reproductive help to conceive. Everybody with PCOS is different, and understanding your disease is going to be essential if you get this diagnosis. So please listen to prior PCOS content episodes and YouTube videos, and you would be a great candidate for the fertility course. Just a small plug there. The other thing that falls into chronic anovulation with these normal values is not quite PCOS, but you can have an obesity-induced anovulation, and this is because our extra fat cells make estrogen. Isn't that crazy? So they make an estrogen, and that estrogen tells the brain to send out less FSH. And what happens then is that FSH is not a strong enough signal to get an egg to grow. So you get a very PCOS-like phenomenon. For some patients, it's the exact same. But I have some people who don't have PCOS, but just they're overweight. And that's a great candidate where if you can lose some body weight, you really can restore normal cycles quite easily because you're dropping that estrogen content from the fat cell loss. And then the brain is going to respond by sending out a stronger signal of FSH. I also see in the chronic anovulation category, uh, chronic stress. And I like to think about this circling back to where we start. 
I like to think of this as not quite as severe as FHA is. Like it's not your switch isn't all the way turned off. Your brain's doing nothing, but your body's getting a warning sign that things are getting too close. So this is probably the person who is not sleeping enough, is chronically stressed, emotionally anxious, is not taking in the right foods to nourish their body, is over-exercising, maybe in compensation, drinking too much, and just the body's not in a good homeostasis, right? That's what the body likes. Homeostasis is like harmony where everything's working together well. And so even if your lab values are normal and everything else is fine, sometimes you fall into this category that I think lifestyle modifications can make a huge difference in. But you don't know that you're there unless you rule out all of the other things. A few other random things just to think about. Uterine fibroids do not usually cause irregular periods. The classic symptom is regular but painful periods. Endometriosis usually does not cause irregular periods. It usually causes regular but painful periods. Although that said, people are definitely allowed to have two things going on. So you could have fibroids and thyroid disease and you could have heavy and irregular periods. So another reason why an ultrasound is a really good part of the evaluation. You can also have spotting from diseases inside or on the uterus or cervix. So think about endometrial polyps, fibroids on the inside of the uterus, cervical abnormalities, precancer cells. Those can cause some abnormal spotting or bleeding in between your periods, and it can be really hard to distinguish what is a period and what is not. So just another plug that anatomical issues can sometimes cause some abnormal bleeding patterns as well. So that's kind of covered the basics there for what can cause irregular bleeding. My take-home message is you can't presume that your abnormal cycles are normal. And I've seen so many people say, well, I don't really want to have a period that much, so I'm okay with it coming every three months. I'm not okay with that. That's not normal. Something's going on. And you at least deserve to know what it is. So you can make the changes in your own life and potentially take medication if that's what's best for you. So you need to be the one in control of your health, making those decisions for you. All right, well, let's wrap up with FFS for fertility's sake. This is my favorite part of every episode, and this is where we answer your questions that you submit. You can submit questions every week on Monday on my Instagram account at Natalie Crawford MD. On the Instagram, I'll answer some questions in real time but some of the best ones we say for this episode. We are also going to start doing a voicemail where you can call 657-229-3672 and you can be forwarded to a Google voicemail where you can ask your question right away and then we can play some of your questions and answer them. I think that sounds really cool, but we're going to give that one a try. So follow along on Instagram or Mondays or call and leave us a voicemail and we can answer your question on the podcast. All right, let's dive in. The first question is, can birth control extend your fertile years by preventing ovulation? That's a great question. The answer is no, but I wish. What birth control does is it tells the brain to not send out any FSH. So just like we just talked about previously, if the brain is not sending out FSH, no eggs are going to grow. So I like to think that all those eggs get released from the vault inside the ovary. Normally, one of them is selected to ovulate and the rest of them die. And with birth control pills, they all just die because nobody gets selected to ovulate. So the natural process just carries on the exact same. You have no harm to your fertility, but nor do you prolong it either. I'm not ready to start trying to conceive, but I have PCOS. Should I start with my regular MD or go to a fertility doctor? 
I think your regular OB is the perfect person to see in this circumstance. Typically, they're going to be easier to get into. They can order those basic labs that I just mentioned. Make sure that your PCOS isn't associated with other diseases, such as the thyroid disease or insulin resistance or vitamin D deficiency. And they can also talk you through the basics of a fertility evaluation. Most OBGYNs in my town even will start early fertility treatments to try to restore ovulation induction and help patients conceive before they have to come in to me. That often can save you money and time. Certainly, though, I see tons of PCOS patients, and I'm sure your fertility doctor would have no problem seeing you, but it's a little harder for us if you are not trying to get pregnant yet. So really, I think of it as your zone, and OBGYN is great, ooh, or the fertility course, but you should certainly get more information on your PCOS and know what to be asking for your doctor. All right, what are modifiable things you can do to try to improve your uterine lining? I think this is a really good question, and I think it's important to think through. One of the signs of a thin uterine lining can be having very light periods, especially in somebody who used to have heavy ones. If you've recently had an IUD, especially a progesterone IUD, it may just be a prolonged progesterone impact, and it may just take more time to recover from that. I will sometimes put patients on some estrogen, so just estrogen priming to try to encourage that lining to remember how to grow nice and fluffy for two to three months before we do a transfer just to wake things up. Obviously, you have to see a doctor for that one. Also, high levels of testosterone or prolactin or ovulating earlier in the cycle, like having low ovarian reserve and not getting enough time for that egg to make estrogen to grow the lining can all cause a thin lining or very light periods. So I definitely recommend a hormonal evaluation from a nature side of things. So vitamin C and vitamin E have been really good for your uterine lining, vitamin E specifically. So you can take a supplement with vitamin E or you can look at vitamin E rich foods, which can include your nuts and your seeds and spinach. Those are some really high sources of vitamin E. Another thing can actually be melatonin. So melatonin is really helpful in growing the lining and having adequate progesterone levels. So one, the easiest way, y'all, is regular predictable sleep. So going to sleep at a set time and waking up at a set time, even if it's the weekend or whatever, is actually very good for your circadian rhythm and your natural melatonin. However, I think a melatonin supplement can be really helpful. It's even shown to be helpful in people who ovulate regularly. Melatonin receptors are in the brain, so it's definitely part of this brain process. The big caution here is don't take more than three milligrams of melatonin at a time. You can get a supplement with a ton of melatonin, but more is not better in this circumstance. Three milligrams is more replicating nature. And so that's a good level for a supplement if you want to try adding on a melatonin supplement at night. There's also some evidence that some other supplements like selenium or L-arginine may be helpful if your lining is very thin, but I also like more natural things. So Exercise. Get your blood flowing to your uterus. I think moderate activity and yoga are really wonderful here. Limit things that can restrict your blood supply. So don't smoke cigarettes or marijuana. Think about, you know, limiting that coffee to just the one cup per day. And acupuncture has been beneficial or anything for stress reduction. So if you don't like the needles, you don't have to do that. But really think through if there's things that you can do naturally to try to help the body make more of the estrogen and progesterone that you might need to get a thick lining. All right, and last question is, does intermittent fasting impact fertility? This is a really good question, and we got to think of it in a couple different ways. Intermittent fasting is where you do not consume your calories in the first part of the day. So you have this fasting period overnight and early morning. 
There's different levels of exactly what you do. In general, IF can be relatively good for people. Fasting has been shown to be beneficial. It gives the body some time for repair and it can help improve insulin sensitivity. It can also be helpful for people who are trying to lose weight, specifically if you have PCOS because of that improved insulin sensitivity. However, IF is not for everybody. Remember the goal is still to take in your same normal number of calories. You just take them in in a different time interval. So instead of taking them in, you know, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you're narrowing that interval and you're taking them in from noon to 8 p.m. or 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever you choose to do. You point of IF is not to take in less calories. So where I see sometimes this can harm fertility is if you go into an extreme calorie reduction because now you're not taking in enough calories. So remember the point of it is to change your hormone parameters to give your body a break from processing food so it can focus on some other metabolic issues, but you still need to take in the calories you need, specifically if you're trying to conceive. When you're trying to conceive, your body needs to be nourished and believe it can support a pregnancy. Now, I'm a big believer those calories will be better served by natural whole foods with good nutrients versus processed foods and Oreos and macaroni and cheese, but you get to make that decision. But IF is not to calorie restrict. It's to change the time interval which you're eating, which has been shown to be helpful in PCOS. And it really can be helpful for some other people. Just fasting in general has been shown to improve longevity or how long you live. I personally love it. And I intermittent fast almost every day. All right, friends, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and it provided you some more knowledge about your body. As always, you can follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD or the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford MD. And last plug for the Enhancing Your Natural Fertility course. I really think you guys are going to love this and I want you to be able to get in at the lowest price ever. It's taking years to put all the content together. It's way too much content for what you really need or want, but it's going to answer so many questions and make you so much more empowered to understand your own body the best. So that's nataliecrawfordmd.com and you can click on fertility course to learn more. Thanks friends. Thank you all for listening to As A Woman. It would mean so much if you could rate, review and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every Sunday. I hope you learned something new and I hope you share it with someone in your life. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at nataliecrawfordmd and check out the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford, MD. If you're interested in becoming a patient, you can also follow Fora Fertility. I'm so thrilled to have you here, part of the community that amplifies others as a woman. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. I'm Brian Halfrich, a 26-year-old bioethics PhD student and clothing brand CEO. Welcome to my podcast where we talk all things health and wellness, navigating your 20s, and becoming the best version of yourself. So sit down, play that episode, and join the collective.